Hello and welcome to a rumble-fueled episode of Hollywood Chop Shop. We are your cinema mechanics, Brent Mosier and Travis Santana, and today we'll be reviewing part two of our gang trilogy with 1961's Best Picture, West Side Story. We'll jump into five-point inspection with Same As It Ever Was, A Bag of Chips, Lost in Adaptation, Stage to Screen, and Cast Astrophic. But before we do, let's check in on the shop. The Hollywood Chop Shop is one of the fastest growing businesses in town, and we have become muy grande. If you're looking to trabajo, you could do a lot worse. Now we're gonna open this up for some preguntas, but first I need to discuss some things with my business pareja, Brett. So feel free to partake in the free alimento y bebidas, and gracias for coming out. I'll be right back. Jesus Christ, man, I'm, I'm dying up there. This was a terrible idea. I think you mean, Jesus. All jokes aside, I think the presentation is a little rough. It's good that we're reaching out to the Latino community. Lots of untapped potential for both the employee and customer side. Yeah, that's uh, that's if they can even understand what I'm saying. Mm, yeah, your Spanish is a little bit rough. What is up with that? And why are you speaking mostly English with random Spanish words? You're you're fucking kidding me, right? You're the one who told me to mix in some Spanish. Your last name is Santana. I grew up in Kentucky. I've only been to Puerto Rico twice. Well, I think that's two more times than most of the cast of West Side Story, which we'll discuss before we get you back up on stage. In a modern retelling of Shakespeare's classic Romeo and Juliet, star-crossed lovers Tony and Maria are on opposite sides of rival gangs, the Jets and Sharks. Can love at first sight solve the socio-economical divide of these two complex groups, or will their improbable bind cause further tensions between the migrants just trying to find a new life and those trying to hold on to what little they have after being abandoned by a system indifferent to their situation? Alrighty, Travis, we'll jump into five-point inspection, but you know I gotta know. What is your quick diagnostic of 1961's West Side Story? Well, to go back in the Wayback Machine, uh, there's one thing that's been established on this podcast, even though, again, I always cite the professionals as the exception to the rule. So far, I hate, hate old movies. What may have not come up on this podcast is that I also fucking hate musicals. Um, so there was very little chance that I would enjoy much of this movie at all. Uh, I think as we discussed off air, I found out last week that this was two and a half hours, uh, which I was not anticipating. And to further ruin this movie for me, it's a very great theme. Obviously, we're doing gangs this week. To have a movie that's about, you know, the socioeconomic struggle of, of groups of people and the pitfalls of gang life to literally come off of City of God. And it's, you know, I've, I've never been to Brazil. I don't know about the favelas, but that felt very authentic, very raw to then jump to this stylized Hollywood, uh, again, musical from 1961. I... You're probably not shocked to know, Brett, I hated every, almost every second of this movie. There, there were like two different times where I kind of perked up and I was like, man, maybe, maybe. And the movie instantly lets me down. Um, so I'm going to have. I'm, very, I'm going to guess. Can I guess one of those times right now? Uh, where I thought the movie actually might take a good when it was turn. Get, when it was going to start going somewhere and then and then you got, was one of them in the mechanic shop with ice? Uh, elaborate a little further. When he gets starts to go into how you guys have to cool it and then all of a sudden breaks into dance like he's going into this whole speech about like we'll get into it. I, I'm getting ahead of myself. I just wanted to know if that was one of the moments. Not not really. I, the thing is, I don't hold it against the movie when it breaks out into song, because ultimately I know that's what it has to do as a musical. But yeah, of course, every time the music kicked up, I rolled my eyes. But uh, what what about you? You seem to indicate that maybe you you found a little more positive about this movie. I actually this is I haven't seen this movie since probably high school because I feel like this was a high school Spanish class staple 
was to play West Side Story for some reason. I've talked to many, many people. And I have to say, Travis, I really, really enjoyed it this go round. Mainly because as I was watching it, I knew how much you hated it. Uh, multiple times, I would look over at Caitlin with just a, a smile across my face. She goes, why? Are you really enjoying this movie that much? I'm like, yes, because I know Travis is miserable right now. He is just hating every... And it made this movie so much better, knowing how much you were suffering watching it. I'm, I'm glad I can do that for you, Brett. Um, and at least one of us enjoyed this for whatever reason. I, I don't know that that's a glowing endorsement of the movie itself, but I'm glad you enjoyed that that facet. Um, I will say this. I by no means am going to say this is one of my favorite movies ever um, or that I enjoyed it or, you know, in our uh, Hollywood Chop Shop, uh, what is it? Objective, subjective rankings that this is going to be very high, even because I, it's not going to average out. I did think that there was... A lot of stuff worth talking about in this movie that I thought did work. There's a lot that didn't work, and I definitely think that this is a sign of the time. Like, I, a lot of times with these movies, I try, especially knowing this is best picture, right? This is our best picture movie for this trilogy. Um, I try and put myself back in, you know, the 1960s, why this would have won. And I'm like, it, I'm sure it broke some ground back then. Um, with that said, even with it breaking ground, there, I... Um, I'm in the same boat. I do not like musicals. Um, I think it is because... I'm a stickler for narrative and this movie and I feel like most musicals, but definitely this because we're talking about this one is notorious for the minute any amount of tension starts to happen in a scene. It is immediately cut down by a song. And I'm like, there's only one scene in the entire movie that I can think of that when tension was starting or like there was an actual scene between characters where like there's um, some emotion where they didn't immediately break into a song is when Doc is telling Tony that Maria is dead in the basement. And that's the that's it. That's the only moment where all of a sudden, like, and at a certain point, I'm like, oh, finally, you've seen this. It's not going to happen. And then Doc turns. I'm like, no, 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 Doc's not going to sing. Please, Doc, don't sing. Doc, sing. He did. I'm like, thank Christ, Doc did not start singing right here. Well, it's interesting you bring up Doc because I thought, and for me, the most double-edged sword scene of the movie for me was when... Um, Maria can't meet Tony and, and they go to Doc's. She's being attacked by the Jets. Mm -hmm. Well, and maybe I'm confusing scenes, but basically the scene in Doc's corner store or shop where he's kind of, where both gangs are there and then the policeman shows up and Doc mm -hmm. kind of is, he kind of speaks for the audience like, hey, if you continue down this road, it's going to end terribly for everybody when they're setting up the final fight under the bridge. I, I thought that scene had gravitas and I was like, okay, I have suffered through this movie to this point and now it feels like there's going to be some real stakes and we are nearing the finish line. And then, Brett, I paused the movie and realized there was an hour and five <laughs> minutes left. And I was like, how could there be another hour and five minutes of this movie left? So it, it wasn't undercut by a song, but it was undercut by, like you said, the movie builds tension, but then I know there's an hour and five minutes left. So... In my mind, I'm like, well, there's going to be three to four more songs and it, this is just going to drag on way too long, which it did. That was the point where I decided this is going to have to be a two night movie for me. Uh, yes. So we've already kind of touched on one of my five points. So I just want to go ahead and, and jump into those. Uh, I want to start with Lost and Adaptation. And this one is centering a lot around. So as I said in the synopsis, if you don't know, I think most people do, but if you don't know, this movie is a modern adaptation of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. And one of the things that I think just does not work in this adaptation is that in the original Romeo and Juliet, it's two rival houses, right? And you don't need much more than that other than in that day and age, like, oh, they own the north side, they own the south side, they're both rich assholes and, the, the, you know, whatever, they're, they're territories because they, they both come from money or whatever it is. The problem is, is that this movie takes that. I think it was a play first and then they adapted it for screen. But this whole story takes two rival rich families and then they decide to flip that on a set. It's actually going to be two low income gangs. Right. And the only problem with that is that what winds up happening is the two gangs wind up being way more interesting then Romeo and Juliet in this movie, because of their situation and where they come from, you have the Puerto Ricans who, like, they've come from poverty, they've come from, the, you know, uh, the, the slums of their country, and they're just looking for an opportunity, the American dream, right? 
and the women, you know, I love, I, I will say, I actually do like some of the songs in this movie. I, I've always really liked an America, you know, I love the juxtaposition between the two where you have the women who are always, the, you know, in the sky, the stars, like how optimistic they are to be in America. And then the men who are like, no, you don't understand how bad it actually is. I think it's it's fantastic. I love, absolutely love that number. Um, but you have them, they're just trying to make it. And then on the other side of the aisle, you have the Jets who very easily you could have just made, you know, uh, you know, people trying to gentrify the neighborhood or that. But instead, what it winds up being is it's these kids that come from low, their low income New York, right? You know, it's the same neighborhood. Most of them are victims of the system and the system just doesn't really care about them. Like the cop is basically only there because he's looking for promotion. He doesn't actually care about the residents of this area. He's just unfortunately been assigned to it. And at the end of the day, they're coming from broken homes. Like the movie alludes to some of the different situations they're in. And all they see is like, this is all they have in the world is their neighborhood. And people are coming and taking that from them. And yes, there's racist undertones, but I think it could have been anybody who's taking it from them. It just so happens that we decide to make the rival side, you know, immigrants and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, both of those gangs and their backstories and the reason that they're fighting and all that is far more interesting than the love story between Romeo and Juliet. And I think that that's almost a disservice to the adaptation because the whole movie, all I can think of was like, please, I want more about these two groups and what they're going through and how they're dealing with that and less about Marie and Tony saw each other at a dance and, oh my God, they instantly fell in love with each other. <laughs> like, it just, I think it undercuts the love story because of how more impactful the two gangs are. Yeah, and you say two gangs. One of my early thoughts in the movie was the police kind of represent a third gang. And mm -hmm. I thought they were going to do a little more with that. I mean, they do establish that the, the cop character, like you said, he's only in it for himself. He's not he has no interest in cleaning up the neighborhood or making it a better place to live. He's self-motivated. But to your point, when you have this dead fish of a love story, uh, especially when you just know, like, this is just Romeo and Juliet. So I, I know where everything's headed with these two. All their screen time could have been put to better use with, like you said, developing more of the actual gang backstories rather than just kind of drop a few things in a song. Um, and then, like I said, I thought there was going to be more focus on, hey, why are we fighting each other when the system represented by the police specifically are indifferent to either one of our survival, let alone us thriving in this country. But that's kind of mm. paid a, a brief bit of lip service and they kind of move on. And another thing they chose to, to change with the adaptation of this is in Romeo and Juliet, Romeo kills Juliet's cousin, right? Still family. But I feel like Romeo killing the cousin and then them choosing to still feel like they're in love and they need to do everything is at least somewhat acceptable. When you find out the guy you just met just killed your brother, accident or not, the next thing you should do is not bone. Um, and I just feel like, you're like, why did you make it his brother? You could have made it anybody. Like him, them being related, brother and sister, added nothing to the story because they don't go anymore in that relationship. It's the same thing as if Juliet it had been her cousin and Anita, or Anita, you could even have made it, I mean, Anita was her sister and it was Anita's boyfriend. And it's like, it's still one of those like, Juliet knows who he is. It's still a Puerto Rican that Tony killed and has the same exact effect, only it doesn't make them laying in bed together feel quite as awkward to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, like, I, you might you might get over that, but I feel like it's going to take a little more than 30 seconds, Travis. Yeah, I mean, just again, that's that's part of why I don't like old movies and especially in a, a musical None of this feels like it has any stakes. I, I know this is a tragedy because it's it's Romeo and Juliet and in, in the Upper West Side or whatever. But there, there's just no stakes. And yeah, like to your point that she gets over that in a, a millisecond. And I also thought and maybe it's I don't know what if the play is different, because I know that there were several things they had to change for U.S. censorship, like some of the, the language and I guess uh, the whole coming to America song or it's a little bit rougher against Puerto Ricans in the in the Broadway show, and they wound up having they they kind of brought that back a little bit and made it not as harsh. Um, so I know that there were there were, there were things that were are changed there, but um, well, son of a bitch, I just lost my train of thought. Well, that was derailed. Where were the f was I going with that? Oh well, maybe it'll come back later. <laughs> uh, well, 
maybe this because we're kind of we're kind of dancing around it. <laughs> no pun intended. Oh. Oh, Juliet, Juliet not dying in the end. That's where I was going with this was I don't know if it was essentially like having a teenager die on like kill herself on screen was a, a 1960s like you couldn't do that. But like, I thought it was weird that the whole thing of Romeo and Juliet is that they wind up killing themselves at the end. And in this one, it's like, no, yeah, Tony gets killed by Chino and then Juliet or sorry, Maria winds up just walking off in mourning. And I'm like that. I think that's less impactful than what actually happens in the Shakespearean play. But that's just me. Well, I mean, you say that it might not have been allowed on screen, but wasn't there around this time a movie adaptation of Romeo and Juliet that depicts it the way that the play does? Let me could I'll, be. I have I'll, no idea. I have to do some bad. Maybe it's podcasts. at the point where she was holding a gun. How it, like, they weren't going to let her shoot herself with a gun. I I don't know. Ah, uh, no. The or movie, it could just the be the that movie they was sixty eight. It was sixty eight. Mm. So yeah, maybe maybe enough change in seven years where they could comfortably depict that. But uh, sorry, dance around it. What were you going to say? Um, same as it ever was. Do you, do you have any indication as to what that is about? Uh, I don't. <laughs> um, so much like you, I was trying to discern why did this win Best Picture? Um, and then, like you said, uh, in America, in America, that was my favorite musical number because I, I paid attention to the lyrics and, and the lyric that stood out to me was, you know, I've got a brand new refrigerator. Like you said, the, the woman is saying that line. She's very optimistic. And then a man replies, but can you afford to put any food in it, essentially? And I was like, wow, mm -hmm. that's that's saying a lot about the state of America. And I, even it, it feels very apt today. You know, people, you know, drive fancy cars that they can barely afford. They live in places they can barely afford. Like, I thought that was very prescient and timeless, uh, timeless. And then. Obviously, the struggle of being an immigrant. And then, like like you said, surprisingly, the Jets not being depicted as just milk toast, everything is good. They're just in gangs because it's fun. Like, no, they've lived a very hard life in America their, their, their whole time. And I was Officer like... Officer was yeah, their number. Yeah. Yep. And same as it ever was, this goes back to when we reviewed Don't Look Up. Hollywood loves to have a circle jerk about how bad things are, but then not really do anything about it. Like we're gonna mm -hmm. we're gonna applaud this movie because it depicts the struggle of Puerto Rican immigrants while having almost zero actual Hispanic people in the movie. It's just white people with spray tans. So same as it ever was. It's it's funny that that performative, you know, we care about capital I issues. But then yet you don't even cast actual Hispanics in the movie. We care while using brown face. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which, do you want to hear what's even crazier? That apparently Anita, the actress who played Anita, my favorite character in the whole movie, hands down, was Anita. Um, she is Puerto Rican. The actress yeah. is Puerto Rican. They still gave her the same spray makeup so that her tone complexion would be the same as the fake Puerto Ricans. <laughs> In the movie, I'm like, oh wow, we we brown faced the brown person. That's interesting. Okay, that's a new one. I haven't heard that before. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm in lockstep with you there. Rita Marino as Anita was my absolute favorite character, and maybe be you know subconsciously because she felt like she had some authenticity compared to the rest of her uh, castmates. Uh, and, and spoiler alert, she's involved in my time cast. Well, we get we'll get to that later. But yeah, the, just the I hate to use this word because it's just been completely ruined, but kind of the performative wokeness of Hollywood. It's good mm -hmm. to know that that's been the case in 1961 all the way up to today. <laughs> yeah, well, without a doubt. Um, yeah, I, I will say she had the most powerful or tension filled, uncomfortable scene in the entire movie. Uh, when when she goes in there to tell Tony that to tell Tony or Maria's message to Tony, and then the Jets just basically gang up on her. And I'm like, it was so uncomfortable watching that scene. You're like, yeah, when she says Maria's dead, I could I could definitely see someone saying that in uh, in a fit of rage after what she just experienced. So, uh, do you? Uh, let's do stage to screen. Um. Well, no, let's do ca catastrophic because we already kind of touched on that um, with some of the uh, a lot of the Puerto Rican characters weren't actually Puerto Rican or even Hispanic descent at that. Uh, the lady who played Maria was actually Russian and Ukrainian, which I'm not sure if you know, Travis, that's nowhere near any Spanish speaking <laughs> country. Um, 
believe it or not. <laughs> so I, uh, I thought the cast was way too old. It's uh, there's multiple points in the movie where me and Kate were looking at each other and saying, Hey, how old are they supposed to be in this movie? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're like high schoolers. Like they're dancing in like the gymnasium. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure these are all supposed to be like high, like senior level or like just like Tony, maybe just graduated high school or they're around that age. I'm like, but no, no, all of them look like they're in their mid to late twenties. And it's like, it completely takes you out of this when you can't cast anyone who even looks remotely young. You're like, what exactly is going on in this movie? Yeah. And I guess that's really another Hollywood tradition. I mean, because I, I, how many TV shows are, you know, it depicts high schoolers and everybody's got a five o'clock shadow. <laughs> Wait, you didn't have one in high school? <laughs> just the mustache. Just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just I thought that was. I thought a lot of the even the acting I riff irritated the shit out of me the entire movie. I don't know if it was that actor, the way he was performed, the way, if that's the way that character was supposed to be or not. I could not stand riff most of this movie. Um Honestly, of of the Jets, the only one that I even had any remote interest in thought, okay, that's kind of an interesting character. I'd like to see more of a performance from them is Ice, the kid who played Ice, who was going to fight Bernardo. I thought once he he actually got a couple lines, I'm like, oh, he actually he actually has some chops. I wish he had had more of a role in this movie other than just being the bruiser for the Jets. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Most most of the characters just and I don't know if that's just by virtue of this being a musical, but like just they were eerie. I, Anita was the only character that I wound and Doc. Doc was good, too. Um, but for the most part, most of the acting in this movie, I don't know if it's they were uh, most of these were stage actors and it just doesn't translate well from stage to screen. But it just didn't feel like acted like it didn't feel like there was any drama. Yeah, and, and it was impossible for me to tell because I felt like most of the acting was was bad, like actively bad. But I watched so few musicals that I, I couldn't tell if that's just if you're in a musical, that's just the way the acting is always going to be. So I, I, I couldn't even look at it with a critical eye effectively uh, because I maybe maybe that's the performance they were were told to give. I think we kind of ran in a little bit of the same issue when we reviewed the producers. There's just a certain mm -hmm. cadence that works on stage that just does not work on the screen. And even Tony, the way Tony was portrayed, like he's supposed to be one of the founding members of the Jets, this rough and tough gang. And he's the good old, he's the Boy Scout. I mean, he's basically Superman in this movie where like, he can do no wrong. And I'm like, it just doesn't feel like you would have been a leader of a gang. And even if it was one of those, I'm getting my life in order, I've become a delivery boy. It's still just, he had too much polish to him to me for what that character should have been. Yeah, and oddly enough, I was just doing a little bit of reading about the the Steven Spielberg directed one that came out, I think, what, last year, maybe two years ago. And people had the same complaint about Tony. So maybe it's just a byproduct of the story. But yeah, the fact that it, it didn't work across, you know, 60 years kind of tells me that it's maybe the material and not necessarily the actor. But yeah, I, I, well, I, I, I don't know if you can do a flashback in a musical, but I needed to see some sort of hard edge uh from his past that he was trying to run away from other than again the lip service just paid to you know hey i'm getting my life straight i'm, I'm working a real job and that's it well i think it goes back to that whole lost in adaptation when it's romeo and juliet and it's these proper you know ladies and gentlemen and stuff like that and and italy and stuff like that and lakes makes a lot more sense for it's like yeah maybe he's been taught sword fighting or something like that but he would be kind of you know soft or polished and stuff like that not when you're like hey no we need him to still be a really swell good guy so you know maria will fall in love with him but we also kind of put in this whole gang backstory so we're just going to kind of like see if that works and it's like it, it won't it won't ever work like he has there has to be some moment that we've seen as to why his life has changed and all of a sudden he he's a swell guy after being the leader of a gang yeah and this will be random but the one thing this movie did do for me which i never thought would happen is it made me really appreciate uh baz lerman's mid-90s romeo and juliet with leonardo dicaprio <laughs> i remember that movie being awful but at least it was visually fun to look at and 
I, I bought Leonardo DiCaprio as a street kid much more than I did Tony in this movie. Yeah. All right. With that, I think we will do stage to screen. Uh, so for this, I just broke this down into what I thought worked in this movie. Um, in terms, and specifically when it comes to knowing that this was a stage performance that was adapted for film, what I thought actually kind of either they improved upon or what worked with, and then what I thought didn't work with that kind of an adaptation. And as, as you said, we talked with the producers where you could tell Mel Brooks had theater ex- or stage experience because that movie was stop was shot like that. And it's like, that's, it just doesn't translate correctly. So um, I'll kind of go into some other things. If you have anything you thought that worked or didn't work, feel free to chime in. But my first one was, I thought the use of the the New York sets and streets was actually really well done. Um, one specific thing, the scene with Tony and Maria when they're talking in the alley, and it's basically the Romeo, Romeo, where far out there, Romeo scene. Um, and he's down there. I'm like, I thought that that scene was so beautifully done because it illustrates so much. You're in this alleyway, so you already have this dark dingy alley and these tall walls basically that you know it already shows just how the world is closing in on tony and maria and it's just them in this little isolated area and all of the 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 escape hatches and the ladders and all that stuff basically occupying this alleyway and you have the two of them in the middle of it and they just wind up being this very warm energy in the middle of, of that scene i'm like i think that they did a really good job where i don't know if it would be a sex fall on a, a successful on on a, a stage because i don't know if you could build the stage like that and then have it like separate and stuff like that i just because you were able to get that shot i thought with how narrow the you know they made that shot work it just wound up being very authentic to kind of that and showing the situation that they wound up being in it winds up feeling kind of claustrophobic and, and haunting but also very intimate between the two characters and there's also a lot of stuff that you could tell i think coming from stage you know where they use stage lights to dim things to focus on characters and then you know bring the stage lights back on when it's the whole set and all that you could tell that they tried to do a lot of that with the movie with some of the effects where they put grease on the side so it would fade out and you could just oh it's just tony and maria in this in this case i thought the thing where they're at the dance and it's like almost like time is slowing down while they've got all the dancers in the background going very slow i thought that was oh that's an interesting way of like saying hey you know this is something that you would probably wind up doing in again on a stage play and we found a way to kind of make it work in in a, in a movie situation um I thought that uh, the shots during Maria, there were some really gorgeous when Tony's singing about Maria, which I didn't even get on. Like you've clearly heard the name before to say it's the most beautiful sound in the world. Like, dude, it's a name. Okay, I get it what we're going with this. But still, it was just kind of a joke to me. Um, Funny with the big green wall behind him. And at the end of that musical number, he's got there's these green cobblestones behind him. I'm like, oh, that's a very striking image. I thought I thought there was a lot of the cinematography in this. I thought there was a lot of really beautiful shots under the bridge. Oh, my God, I love that shot underneath the bridge where it's basically the concrete. And then you've got the red metal above them, like almost like they're in hell, like this haunting image. I thought that that was really great. Um yeah, I talked about some of the interesting film techniques, the underpass shot, um, Chino in the stairs. I'm not sure why I put that there. Oh, yeah. When Chino's running away and they do the upward, the uh, eagle eye shot just straight down the stair spiral. And you could just see him getting away almost like a maze and all the other people come into the screen while she's trying to get him. I thought that was a, a really, really nice shot. Again, cinematography wise looked great. So a lot of my compliments of this movie is actually some of the cinematography which i know that this movie had two directors um apparently one director was in charge of the drama and one was in in charge of all of the dancing i do believe the dancing director got fired towards the end because he went over budget oh i did not know that (laughs) yeah i i think at a certain point they're like okay you're done because we're done redoing these these musical numbers um but yeah i thought a lot of the cinematography actually in this movie there was some really really cool shots um that, that were done on the flip side what well, did not trans oh yeah real, real quick just because you're mentioning the cinematography do you know which director this is this is their favorite movie specifically because of the cinematography Mm-mm, who you will never guess Nolan. it michael bay michael wow bay. Huh. He, he is a big fan of the cinematography, a lot of the shots, and 
oddly enough, he's a big fan of the pace of the shots, how at times it, it's quick cuts, at times it's a lingering shot. So the man who many people think just brutalized cinematography and cinema in general and Michael Bay gets a lot of inspiration from 1961's West Side Story, which I thought was uh, very interesting. Well, there's a really cool shot, too, in that, you know, be cool musical number where the camera is on the ground and scrolling backwards as they're snapping towards it. And then it stops and they jump over it. And it just winds up being almost like a hero shot type thing where like they're very crouched and like tiny in the middle of the frame. And then all of a sudden they explode and take up the entire frame. And I thought that was a really cool shot too. Like I said, I think there's some, there's some really cool shots in this movie. Um, that does not make up for the discomfort of a lot of the musical numbers that I thought. Even the lyrics of some of these songs are so they're so bad. It's like it's, again, the the two songs I really really enjoyed were "America" and "Officer Crumpty," um, which were almost they were very close together, and then it kind of died out after that. So what I and I'm sure you'll be able to help with this one. What I didn't think worked in this movie very well is, for starters, the dance fighting didn't work at all. The, the problem is there's no tension in it, right? Even the very beginning of the movie sets that up when they're fighting on the playground and like they're jumping on on and off of each other and twirling around. It's like it's really hard for there to be tension in a fight when there's someone twirling in the background. Like it just there is. I don't care if it's a musical or not. It's like it's hard for me to be invested in this being a physical altercation when there is people twirling and doing ballet. I just there's no I've never heard of a ballet fight. So which well, if I'm honest, I wouldn't mind seeing could be cool. And even when they, because I'm thinking of that early scene on the basketball court, the the violence is depicted as, hey, one character is going to try to walk away from the fight, and then the other person is going to theatrically literally kick them in the ass. And then the person who gets kicked in the ass with what looks to be about 20% of the the attacker's power, it it throws them sprawling to the ground, and you you just can't help but laugh. Yeah, well, because it has a cartoon orchestra, too. Brink! Brunk! Whenever anybody gets hit, I'm like, yeah, so it takes, it completely <laughs> diffuses any tension. And on top of that, we already talked about this. Anytime you had tension in a scene and something was actually starting to get a little emotional and powerful, they immediately went into a song and dance. And I'm like, for Pete's sake, like, we can, we can have a moment, a dramatic moment in this movie that does not immediately transition into song and dance, especially in some of these very serious moments. I don't need song and dance immediately, you know? Yeah. And not even necessarily a song and dance complaint because, um, the, the stage when they, like you said, when they're under the, the overpass, the way that's lit kind of hellish. I loved that. I thought this is really when the movie is going to go for it. And even when riff gets stabbed, it's it's that comedic acting that, that we have lampooned in the past when we reviewed older movies where it's just, you know, somebody gets shot and it's just like, oh, clutching my chest. He's got the he gets stabbed. And again, this is terrible podcasting, but you, you kind of just did it. He just Ugh. and I'm like, if you've got all the energy to do that, stab him back. What? Why are you holding the <laughs> knife behind you as if you're trying to? to give it to one of your your jet co-gang members and then so you can die dramatically. So even then when I thought this movie had a chance to do something legitimately dramatic, they they turn one of the main characters getting stabbed into a laugh out loud moment for me. I also like with the choreography they couldn't in the the technology at the time when Bernardo gets slashed on the back by Riff, they couldn't show the cut during that. But in the later scene when Bernardo is laying dead on the ground, he has a cut in his jacket. I'm like, okay, like if you can't show the cut in real, we don't need the cut later. Like it just ends <laughs> up being weird. Oh, the cut showed up. Yeah, I, I get that. That's it's one of those delayed injuries. I, I have those all the time. <laughs> it's just it's it's kind of funny. I'm like at a certain like I don't know if we really needed it at this point. Um, and then just as I, th- I thought it was a funny joke, I put it at the, at the beginning, like, cause I too saw, I was like, man, two and a half hours, like this movie is so long. I'm like, you could have cut, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes off the movie by just reducing the overture, uh, which was way too freaking long for this movie. <laughs> like, as well as most for me and Kate looking at you, I'm like, when does the actual movie start? I'm like, it's a musical. I, this is the overture. I'm like, at the same time, I get it in your at a stage performance the overture like 
it quiets the crowd down, gets everybody in the mood. And then it starts. I'm like, I don't need that in a film movie. It's not what I need. <laughs> I don't need an overture before the movie starts. Yeah. And that I'll just briefly touch on it since we're there. That's bag of chips. And what I mean by that is when you buy a bag of potato chips, let's imagine it's West Side Story. The plot is the amount of chips in the bag. The runtime is the bag itself. Because, you know, when you buy a bag of potato chips, it, it could be two feet tall, but there's about, you know, 50 potato chips in there. That's what because when I recount this movie in my head, what actually happens? You know, Tony is is dreaming about something. It's not necessarily a woman. It's just he's reaching out for something. They mm-hmm. go they go to a dance. He meets, I guess, what he has been seeing in his dream, but didn't realize it. There's a few dust ups with the gang. They plan a ultimate showdown. People get killed. And then it's the end of Romeo and Juliet. And there's a funeral procession in the, in the credits roll. I'm like, any charm this movie could have had is lost because, again, it's it's like two hours and 25 minutes. Well, yeah, because it's one of those like, oh, look, the Jets and the Sharks are finally getting along as they they cart Tony's body off. Like, that's that's it. That's where we're moving into the movies. They can get along to do this. And then my favorite is when they, they just kind of like tap Cheeto on the shoulder like, okay, it's time for you to get in the cop car. <laughs> it's like everybody's left the playground and it's like, all right, well, now that everybody's gone, uh, we're not going to handcuff you. We think you have remorse for killing Tony. So uh, if you just want to casually walk over to the police car, we'll uh, go ahead and wrap this movie up. The end. Yeah, if this were a, a, a tight hour and 25, I could I could have appreciated it a little bit more. But as it stands, it just I am just waiting for it to end the whole time. Yeah, I mean, I can't I can't disagree with that. I, I think, yeah, it is just my biggest my biggest beef with the movie is you wind up making the the backstory or the star crust lovers they're they wind up being second banana to the actual story that I think is more interesting and should be told in the movie. And I, I it's interesting that, that that wasn't lost anywhere, you know, or that nobody said anything like, you know, making this about two, two groups of people that have been abandoned by a system and are just trying to get by as opposed to two rich families. Like you, you kind of put an emphasis on, on a different part of the story. Uh, but Hey, you know, that's, that's just me. So I just, uh, I definitely think there should have been more of a, a focus on, on that. Um, I don't know if we're done with the five points, but I do have only one question for this movie. Ooh, okay. When Tony, when Tony goes to uh, Spanish Harlem looking for Maria and he's yelling Maria, wouldn't there be like at least five to 10 different Marias that would open a window and be like, are you looking for me? Like, how many Marias are in Spanish Harlem? I would assume. I also just like that he knew the alley to go down and scream for Maria. Because I would imagine Spanish Harlem is probably pretty big. They'd just be like, eh, she's got to be one of these windows here. And then what do you know? She just magically pops out on the fire escape behind him. And just like, where the f*** did you come from? <laughs> yeah, if, if I were chopping this movie into a comedy, that would have been the moment where I would have had... You know, like a 65 year old grandmother come out and be like, I'm Maria. And then, you know, maybe like a little eight or nine year old be like, are you looking for me? I'm Maria. And him have to, you know, three or four times be like, no, 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 not that Maria. Not, no, not that Maria. <laughs> uh, I, the, I will say this. The only other thing I, I thought was interesting in the movie before we move on, I didn't put this into a five point is they do a really good job with color in this movie. I thought like there's a really cool shot too, when they're about to have the rumble where, you know, Tony is in neutral colors and all that, but Maria winds up, she's singing the good night, good night. Or I, I think that's what she's singing at that point. And she's caught between a yellow light and a purple light that shows that she's caught between the two sides. I'm like, that was a really cool shot too. Um, but yeah, I thought what was interesting, for the most part, the Puerto Ricans wore purple and all of the Jets wore yellow. Up in, and uh, Sometimes the Jets would wear red. But I thought the movie did a pretty good job of there not being really a villain, like depicting one side or the other as being the good guys and bad guys up until the rumble. And then I thought it was an interesting choice 
the the jets got out of yellow and the the sharks went out of purple and all of a sudden it was blue versus red and i'm like those are traditionally blue is good red is bad and i'm like i wish they hadn't done that i wish they had stuck with the purple and yellow motif and kept it neutral because that was the only misstep to me where i'm like now it feels like you're kind of tipping your hand as to who's actually good and bad here when i think it's much better there's an ambiguity to it then you know neither of these sides are really the bad guy so much as that you know they've been abandoned and they're just trying to you know make it so and that, that was the only thing i thought was interesting is like up until that point the jets and mo for primarily worn yellow and the sharks are primarily purple and for whatever reason that they decided to to put them in red and blue for the rumble yeah and i, I mean can we really be surprised by that though 1961 i'm not all that surprised no i mean the sharks had some style let's face it i mean if i wanted to dress like either one of the two sides i'm going with the puerto ricans so do you think there was anything in the naming of the gangs and i mean i know it comes from the musical but like you know jets you know fly high in the sky while sharks are you know the depths of the ocean do you think there's any any meaning to that I don't I don't know. I've always thought the Jets were weird, but I also always thought that the New York Jets football team was a weird name for a football team. So I just never really put a lot of thought. To, I always thought Jets was a stupid name. I'd rather be a shark than a jet. Like, what are you even like? Yeah, I, I you know, and there's Jet Black. I, I don't know. I don't know if, if Jet is a refer is referring to an, an airplane when they say Jets. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's nothing. It's just interesting to me that one could not fly any higher and one could almost be no lower on, on Earth. But, yeah, just a thought. Yeah, I mean, the the noun, a jet is a rapid stream of liquid or gas forced out of a small opening. Yeah, yeah not quite or as glamorous. Engine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is, I, I don't know if it... If that's... When, when they're talking about jet, I don't know if that's what they're referring to as... If they're referring to like an airplane, because I'm trying to think in 1960, I'm sure jets existed, but to the point where you would name your your gang after it. And at that point, like the sharks, they had graffiti of sharks, but I never saw any graffiti of a jet airplane or an airplane or anything like that to represent them. So like, I thought about it before, and I think that's the only reason I have an answer for you right now that quickly is because I never associated the jets as being airplanes. That's fair. Yeah, I'm not going to go into a deep dive on when the jet was. <laughs> no, I think spare. we should really spend the next 30 minutes <laughs> dissecting the name of the two games. <laughs> um, I think they're called the sharks because they're predators, but they're also widely misunderstood um, as dangerous creatures in the ocean. In reality, they're just trying to feed and exist as any other animal would be. Yeah, that's why Spielberg came back to do the remake. He's still trying to clean up the image of a jet all these years, or a jet, a shark, uh, all these years later. After Jets aren't just killing machines, okay? All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's do some Blue Book. Travis, the, the sticker price of this here flick is an estimated $6 million. And I'll tell you, it did go over budget. But I have to ask, what do you think it made U.S. and Canada? When we do these old movies, man, and when I don't cheat even remotely, I I literally have no idea. I know that this was a, a, a smash success, Oscar winner. I'll, I'll tell you this too. U.S., Canada, and worldwide are all about the same number. So just, okay. I'll just give me one guess, and you'll you'll get two birds, one stone here. I'll say eighty-five million. Ooh, in nineteen sixties dollars. Bold yeah. prediction, sir. Yeah, and then I'm gonna say worldwide. All right. Now hold on. US one, one question. This movie has been re-released. Is does this count the re-release gross or just? I don't believe. I think I think this is original gross. Okay, I, I I can tell by your tone that I look like a fucking moron, and you're gonna tell me that it made like twenty seven million. But what what did it make? A hundred and twenty. You fucking idiot. Did it really? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh. No, no, no. It's it was forty four million. God. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. I was uh, originally going to go over 100, so I'm glad I tampered it down. Yeah, 40, 44 million. Again, 1960s dollars. And then worldwide was 44.1 million. So, like I said, it wasn't. I, th- I think basically, if, if I'm not rounding, it was about $50,000, $80,000 is what it did worldwide. So, uh, clearly made its money back. Huge success. I'm surprised we didn't get a West Side Story 2. You know, maybe uh, Maria's. Uh, set in a, a, a little bit further ahead maria's married somebody else not a puerto rican because she's not going to listen to anita and marry someone of her own kind but uh, she'll have a son who she's named tony and maybe he's gonna go and he's gonna find someone he loves see i go the other pretty, way pretty epic there I, I want maria to and again this is gonna fit my style very well i want maria to be so appalled by gang violence that she becomes almost like a Charles Bronson in Death Wish, where she's out here exterminating gang members across New York uh, to do what? Uh, what's the police officer's name in this movie? Crumpy is the the beat yeah. cop. I forget yeah, what the detective go. is. Crum- to do what Crumpy has no interest in doing, and that's clean up the streets. So yeah, I want like a Charles Bronson vigilante slash maybe Uma Thurman and Kill Bill uh maria out here getting a revenge and of course you know that that pistol that she threatens everyone with at the end that's going to be like that's the special gun that she uses to kill the gang leaders so you want west side story 2 castigador (laughs) which is punisher in spanish Uh, yeah, I don't have to tell you, but I use Google Translate for the open with most of that that Spanish. That oh, I, I could tell because I'm pretty sure Trebejo would not be the right tense. No, <laughs> it wouldn't be. <laughs> but you know what? I don't know a lot of Spanish, but I'm pretty sure that's wrong. <laughs> I mean, listen, Brett. Trebejo. Yeah. I, I put just slightly less effort into the Spanish than the producers of this film did. Because I did enjoy how all the Puerto Ricans just speak 85% English and then just sprinkle in some Spanish words every now and then. That, and you know, to your point, they probably use the correct tense at least. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we'll do tag and title. All right. I only have one alternate title for this. I did. I wasn't sure how this would translate to other audience or other. Um, what is it? regions um so the only thing was in a lot of central and south american countries like argentina mexico peru uh the movie was renamed love without barriers but outside of that everything else pretty much kept the name west side story or it was like from the west side or something like that or pretty pretty close to the original but just thought it'd be interesting to throw that one out there so now we'll do tagline are you ready for tag line i'm ready You didn't use the, the Spielberg remake, did you? That would be cheating. No, no. Good man. I'm, I'm careful when I do that. I, I did it too much in the beginning, and now you're expecting it. All right, Travis, I'm going to give you three taglines. One tagline is an official tagline for the movie. One tagline is for a movie I found adjacent, and one tagline is one I created myself. What I need you to do is tell me, what an original which one is an original tagline from 1961's West Side Story Here we go Collide with Destiny The greatest love story ever told Oh no I I messed that one up I've I fucked up all of, of I'm going to I'm going to redo all of them what? I'm going to redo I I luckily I had two alternatives are two that I wrote, and that was one, and I have no idea what I was... The greatest... Yeah, I have no idea what I was trying to do with that one. All right. Refresh. That means you already know. You already know. Okay. I'm going to... No, we're going we're gonna to scrap all this. I had a couple. I always have a couple lined up for what's going on. What was the first one I gave you? Collide with Destiny. Okay. Yep. Thank you. All right. Are you ready? Okay. Starting over here. People come with me. From the mean streets of the Big Apple comes the greatest love story ever told. Nothing on earth could come between them. Watch this shot now. Hey, shoot man, go, hey, yeah. What? Did you, did you have a stroke there? Can you repeat the last one? 
Watch this shot now. Hey, shoot, man. Go, hey, yeah. Um, you didn't make that one up because that one is so stupid that it's either got to be an official tagline for this movie or something that reminded you of this movie. Uh, nothing on Earth could keep them apart. Is that one that you said? Nothing on Earth could come between them. Could come. I'm trying to think of what movie involves space and a romance. Oh man. Since I already messed this up, I'll give you I'll I feel like you're already on the on the right track with all the just give give me what you think and then we'll go. We'll go with it. I I messed this week up so bad. Oh man, I feel I feel so bad. Well, it, it's good that you, you you have a poor performance when we're reviewing a poor movie, at least, in my opinion. Uh, man, I, you give me the first one, one one last time. From the mean streets of the Big Apple comes the greatest love story ever told. I'm going to say that's an official tagline. Okay. So then you've got nothing on Earth could come between them and... Watch this shot now. Hey, shoot, man. Go. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I can't get over that one, man. Uh, you you have stumped me this weekend, not because you messed it up initially, but I. I, I have no idea. I, I have to wave the white flag here. I'm dying to know what that last one is, though. All right. So. <laughs> I, I just lost my where I was. Okay, yeah. Uh, watch this shot now. Hey, shoot, man. Go. Hey, yeah. Is an official tagline for the movie. It's not the one I meant to use. I was just reading off my list. I meant to use, unlike other classics, West Side Story grows younger. That's the one I meant to use, um, which is where my performance already. I, I screwed up this week's tag and title so bad. It's ridiculous. Um, from the mean streets of the Big Apple comes the greatest love story ever told was mine. I think for my other one, I was trying to do the greatest love story ever told from migrants to the... I have no idea where I was going with that. I'm sure I typed that one on my phone after I came up with the first one. That was terrible. Uh, nothing on Earth could come between them and collide with Destiny from the same movie. Do you want to give it a shot knowing both of them? They are play on words. Nothing on Earth could come between them and collide with Destiny. I know it's not this because there's not really a love story. Interstellar? 1997's Titanic. Star-crossed lovers. Rose and what, what, whatever Leonardo DiCaprio. Nothing on Earth could Nothing come on Earth could come between them. The iceberg. And then collide with destiny because the Titanic Damn collides it, into yeah. the iceberg. Well, explain to me how nothing on Earth could come between them. I don't. I don't get how that works in the realm of Titanic. I guess because yeah. I mean, iceberg. that iceberg, that iceberg is firmly on Earth. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah I don't collide with destiny. I, I should have gotten that. I was like, <laughs> I meant to give you collide. And then I had to switch that up because, like I said, I, I messed up the other one. I was like, oh, well, he's going to know which one I, d I didn't do because I, uh, yeah, yeah. The other taglines for this movie were uh, Best Picture, winner of 10 Academy Awards. Most acclaimed picture of our time with the re-released. Um, the screen achieves one of the greatest entertainments in the history of motion pictures. Also sucked. I do like the poster for this movie, though. I'm a, I'm a sucker for, like, um, what is it, minimalist posters? And I don't know. It, West Side Story 1 is, is pretty pretty good the red poster with the West Side Story and it's got the fire yeah. escapes. That's, it's not bad. It's not bad. Um, yep. All right. So do you have a time cap for us this week? Uh, yeah, real, real briefly, but uh, Rita Marino, uh, both of our favorite parts of this movie, uh, she officially holds the record for longest uh, gap between 
an actor returning to the same franchise. So she was in, obviously, 1961's West Side Story. She returned for 2022's West Side Story. What is that, 70? Is that 71 years apart? Did she play Maria's mother? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hot damn. So, yeah, she, uh, with that reprise, well, not reprisal, because she doesn't play the same role, of course. That would be difficult to do. Uh, if she was a, a good friend of a... No, they were about the same age in the, in the original. I mean, you could put some makeup on her and you could pass her as a teenager. Yeah, just got to go a little heavier on the spray tan. Just a little bit heavier. <laughs> she'll look She'll look not a day uh, over a lot, 25. A lot of filler. A lot of filler, <laughs> but they're going to spray over it anyway, all right? It'll be fine. Uh, but yeah, that's a record that might be tough to break. I think previously the record was uh, Leonard Nimoy for Star Trek. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, she's also an EGOT. Did you know that? Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, one of 17. I looked it up after I saw that she was an EGOT. I was like, that's pretty, like, there's not a lot of the. So anybody who does an EGOT is somebody who has won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. So as you can imagine, there's not a lot of them because of that whole Grammy and Tony situation. I think John Legend is in there, but he mostly for music stuff. Like, a lot of his wasn't his, like, acting or anything like that. Like, I think his. His uh, his Oscar is for a, a song he did for Glory or something like that. Still got it. Mel Brooks is in that in that, which doesn't surprise me at all, knowing his background. And then the one that kind of surprised me, Wookie Goldberg, actually is an EGOT, which I did not know. Did she win the? Oh, she won the Oscar for Ghost, didn't she? Mm-hmm. She got Oscar for Ghost. Uh, she got her Grammy for comedy, a comedy album. Which I was like, because that was one of those things. I'm like, what did the hell did she sing? But I forgot you could get a a, a Grammy for comedy album, uh, and then her Emmy and her Tony. I can't remember what those were for. Um, if it was performance or if she produced or something like that. But yeah, Whoopi Goldberg is is actually an EGOT as well. Yeah, I'm actually uh, curious what she won the Emmy for. While you're looking that up, I think we have two segments left. We have alignment, which will be fun. Um, and then I think, Travis, you have a chop shop for us this week? No. 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 I, I, Brett, just the fact that I fucking watched this movie. I'll give you that. I thought this Enemy. was going to be one of those. You, you hey. quit halfway through and then just read the synopsis, like when we did Hocus Pocus 2, and you're like, I can't even finish the movie. <laughs> Uh, I will say, though, I, I kind of gave you a, a teaser, the, the vigilante Maria. I could I could have gone a little further on that, but honestly, it just popped into my mind. <laughs> the typical Travis chop shop. It's not actually he doesn't chop the movie. He just adds to it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I decided this movie was fine where it was. I wanted to create the, <laughs> the sequel. So alignment. Travis, where on a 100-point scale would you put this movie? Uh, by the way, Whoopi Goldberg won her Emmy for Outstanding Class Special, and it was for Beyond Terra, The Extraordinary Life of Hattie McDaniel. Did she get one for The View, too? Uh, no, she's been nominated, but she did not win. Okay. Got it. Um, on a scale of 1 to 100, where would I put this movie? 20. What'd you say? 20 to zero. 20? Yeah. Two zero? Okay. Uh, so, well, you're a little off from critics. Um, I, AK, I do you want to guess what be. critics... Do you want to guess what critics put this movie at? 91. Damn close. 92. 92. Do you want to guess where audiences put this movie? 86. 84. Not bad. Oh, wow. I think it is definitely one of those, you, as you've said with your theory with tom Rotten Tomatoes, you either have to absolutely love a movie or hate the movie to to go as an audience to go on there and rate the thing. So it doesn't surprise me where it's at. I would say I'd put it somewhere in the 60s for me, maybe like a 60, I'll say 63 or something like that. I don't, I don't think it's the worst thing I've ever watched. If it was on in the background, I wouldn't tell someone to turn it off, but it's certainly nothing I would ever go back and revisit. It's, I'm even trying to think of with my daughters, if there's a certain point where I'm trying to educate them on cinema, would I? Would it be one of those like, no, we have to watch West, you have to watch West Side Story. This, I was talking to Kate earlier, like, this is a movie that oddly, I think because I watched it in middle and high school, 
I quote inadvertently quote this movie a lot, which is weird. Like I'll do like when you're a jet, I'll bring up that. I feel pretty, oh so pretty. I say, but I also think I say that because I think it's in. There's a, I think Robert De Niro says it and like analyze this or something like that. And I think a lot of times I'm actually imitating him doing <laughs> this. Yeah, movie. I had no idea that that's where that song originated from. I, I feel like I've seen um, it in several other pieces of media. Did not know it originated with West Side Story. Anytime I go, if it's two groups of people getting ready to fight, I always want to do like the snap at them because that's that's a classic. Um, I good night, good night. For whatever reason, sometimes when somebody says good night, my the, my first reaction is to go good night, good night. I feel like I sang just as well as most of the people in this movie. Um, at least the non when they didn't dub over an actual singer, but. Nonetheless, I it's it's interesting to me how often I actually make references to West Side Story, but hey, I don't know. Uh, well, since we don't have a chop shop this week, uh, except for the tease of, you know, uh, the Punisher version of Maria, I guess we can go ahead and wrap this up. We know where we, you. I assume, despite being twenty percent, I assume you do not recommend anybody watch this movie for any reason whatsoever. If, if you actually are a fan of musicals and I, honestly, I've never met anybody that gave me that indication, <laughs> at least then I guess even the, even no, I don't recommend this for anyone. If you want to watch a musical, I would isn't uh, isn't Wizard of Oz technically a musical? It might be. I mean, I classify that as a musical. Go see that. At least that's fantastical and, you know, takes you to a world that you've never seen before. This is just a bunch of people dance fighting in New York with dirt rubbed on their face to try to be Puerto Rican. I just. <laughs> the, the, I, there's nothing I can say possibly about this movie. I, I guess if I had to give it a compliment, aside from the little bit of lip service they pay to societal issues, I think if you put this movie on mute, like visually, it'd be interesting to look at, um, but hearing it completely destroys the experience for me. So that's that's what I would say. I was trying to think. When's the last time you don't see a lot of musicals? And I guess more, I would imagine it's one of the least profitable genres of movie, just because it is so polarizing. That when you're gonna do it, you gotta make sure that like you're gonna actually like crush it. Yeah, there's not a lot of modern musicals. Yeah, I guess uh, La La Land was like the the most recent example that I could think of. But uh, this might be a good time to I mention. Need... I am hmm? I'm terrified of the fact that uh, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight film eight musicals have won Best Picture. Brett now. I'm assuming some of these we aren't going to be able to find and, and therefore we won't have to do them. Uh, but just knowing I feel like that they're pretty early too. Yeah. Yeah. Literally the only modern win was Chicago in 2002. So we'll definitely be reviewing that at a certain point. Uh, probably we'll definitely be able to find the sound of music 1965. Uh, we can probably find my fair lady 1964. Other than that, that's Oliver, 1968, An American in Paris, 1951, GG, 1958, and Going My hmm. Way, 1944. I wonder when musicals stopped being, like, a big thing. Because, I mean, like, I bet you a, a ton of old movies were musicals. At what point did they stop making them regularly? I mean, I, I would say their heyday clearly was in the 60s because you had one, two, three, four win in the decade of the 60s and then nothing again until 2002. Mm -hmm. And I guess Did you know I, that this move. Hmm? Oh, no, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's technically a musical, right? I mean, if that is, then we're definitely watching. That's one of my favorite movies of, of probably all time. Well, it didn't win the Oscar, so too bad we're not watching it. I, I'll just find a way to make that a fan <laughs> fan pick. And there, oh man, we're gonna we did a candy trilogy. It's so weird. <laughs> Travis is gonna have to watch Willy Wonka. We'll have to watch Wonderful Originals and their Terrible Remakes trilogy. Um, and we can put uh, Willy Wonka in that one. Movies Tim Burton ruined. Can we do that? 
I don't know if he's ruined that many movies. (laughs) I I can't remember most Tim Burton movies after the nineties. I think Big Fish is the last one I I know of him actually doing that. God, now you're gonna make me look up Tim Burton. I was just trying to say goodbye to the people. Now they're gonna have to listen to us (laughs) rant. What is what are the latest movies? Oh, Dumbo was probably terrible. I didn't even look at that. Alice Through the Looking Glass, Big Eyes, Captain Sparky and the Flying Saws. Oh, those are... Abram Han- Oh, he produced that. I just want he- what he directed. I hate when IMDb does that. I did, unfortunately, see Dumbo, and it was terrible. Big Eyes, Dark Shadows wasn't great. Alice in Wonderland was just okay. Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber. Eh. Corpse Bride, I remember watching, and that was okay. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I hated with a passion. Big Fish, I really enjoyed. Huh. He did Planet of the Apes? Yep, the Mark Wahlberg one. Huh. Oh, the... <laughs> I was thinking all the, the, the new ones. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, boy. Wow, that would... I didn't... I would have never guessed that he did that one. All right. I'm done. I'm done looking up Tim Burton. Do you have any final words for us, Travis? Everything free in America for a small fee in America. Rita Marino, eat your heart out. And I am going to look for little tiny waves and they are there. I'm looking for little waves. Those waves are looking fantastic. Okay. If you're good, I'm good. Yep, I'm ready. All right. But first, I need to discuss some things with my business, Pareja Bread. So feel free to partake in the free Alimento e... Should I take that from the top or just where I fucked up? Wherever you want. I can I can cut it if you take it just from the line. If you want to try and do the whole thing in one go, it's up to you, bud. I think you mean Jesus. All jokes aside, even the presentation... Oh, God damn it. I was so confident, too. <laughs>